hour two, off and running on this full send Friday. Happy Friday to all of you out there. Happy Victory Friday. I know it hasn't sounded like a ton of celebration today because you want your balls to be perfect. They weren't perfect, but they did win by 32 points. It's a start. The lines are loaded, but you can still get in if you would like to. 615-737-1045. Your phone calls will be basically be this entire hour because Coach Mack is our next guest, and he does not join us until 1220. So you can stick around for that. We'll have some Titans talk later on in the show because there were some pretty impactful transactions that was made by the team yesterday, and you'll hear from Mike Vrabel on that matter. You'll also hear from Josh Heupel. Uh, and we have this story about a, a late suspension yesterday. By Byron Young, who has been heralded by the coaching staff, who may be, as I'm reading this VolQuest article by Austin Price, arguably Tennessee's best defensive player this fall. He was not allowed to be on the field last night because he was suspended for two games after a situation arose with the NCAA and his eligibility. So we'll spend some time on that story coming up next. But you guys have been reacting to this win all morning long. We will continue that reaction. We'll go to Daryl, who's been waiting patiently, up next here on 104.5 The Zone. He wants to talk about the defense. What's up, Daryl? Hey, guys. How are y'all? We're great. Uh, man, I just want to make two or three comments. And first of all, I'm not drinking any haterade. I have nothing against this Milton kid whatsoever. Sure. I just think that in the Pittsburgh game, I think that you may or may not see Harrison in there. Um, he's more of a, obviously, your prolific pocket passer. And, uh, gosh, man, he could have ate a ham and cheese sandwich back there last night. Granted, it was a bowling green, but he had so much time in the pocket and his Passes were so off, and I understand it's a new system. Secondly, who was this six foot two, three hundred and forty pound uncaged animal on the defensive line last night? And why did they take him out of the game? He looked like an absolute mauler. Uh, thirdly, and again, I'm not being negative, guys, but I think Ensworth or Alcoa could have honestly played with Bowling Green last night. And, uh, <laughs> I'm going to hang up and let you guys talk and listen to your comment, and I hope you guys have a blessed Friday, man. Hey, you as well, Daryl. Thank you so much for the call, and we appreciate those observations. 615-737-1045. So I don't, you know, I think he, here's, here's where we'll start, okay? He's incorrect about Harrison Bailey because it wasn't Harrison Bailey that came in as the backup last night. It was Hendon Hooker. So if, if they, have, they have all but have washed, them, washed their hands of Harrison Bailey – whether you agree with that decision or not, the coaching staff just doesn't think that he's the best option, clearly, to be able to operate their offensive system. Well, they're, they're going to stick with their guy. They're going to let Milton play through stuff unless he's going to lose them the game. He's not leaving. No, no, no. I'm, and I'm not I'm, – I basically disregarded that because I wanted to focus on the idea that Harrison Bailey would even be the backup. Like, this is, this is something where you can put Harrison Bailey – not only is he out of sight – but you should put him out of mind as well because the coaching staff is telling you as much based on what their quarterback rotation looked like in Thursday night's win. Now, I, I think they'll give Joe Milton more time. I think that this is this is a growing this is a growing process. And I know that you're not interested as a fan base in rebuilding. I know that you have been through enough of these where you are ready to see results and that you started with a thirty eight point outing. That's going to set some probably unrealistic expectations for the rest of the year because it's not always going to look 
as easy as it did because your competition is not always going to be Bowling Green. But I will say to you that of, of all of those guys, the staff is telling you, the coaching staff is telling you that Joe Milton has the most promise. In fact, this was Josh Heupel speaking about his starting quarterback after last night's win. Yeah, um, I thought the run game uh, operated relatively efficiently at time, uh, a couple times that we weren't on the right hat. Um, but I thought the pass game was, was really hit and miss uh, from us tonight. Uh, some of that was quarterback decision-making and being accurate with the football. Some of it's wide receivers being on the same page. A couple opportunities to catch it that we don't. Uh, we're going to have to be a whole lot more efficient in the pass game than, uh, than we were tonight. Uh, some of it's what they were doing um, and where you felt like you had an opportunity, uh, some drop eight coverages. Um, there were a couple times that I, I didn't like his decision making. Uh, there's some things that were open. A couple guys running open down the middle of the football field that, that he doesn't recognize and see. Um, there's some things that he's got to clean up. Uh, offensively, we're going to have to clean up a bunch of things too. Um, at the same time, there were, there were some positives coming out of it as well. So that's the head coach, Josh Heupel, you know, basically expressing the same, the same kind of thought process that we all are, whether it's you guys on the phones or in the comment section or, you know, tweeting the show uh, or, or Lucas or myself. Like, we all understand what it is that we watched last night, even winning by 32. It's just simply not good enough. It's just not. You cannot have these unforced errors that the quarterback was creating for himself given that he is operating this offense and will be expected to operate this offense at a much higher level. Now, again, he was not the only thing that you found fault with. And as I'm sure Mike and Whitehouse is about to bring this up because I did not think the receivers last night were any good at all. But I think Mike has Mike may be expressing the same thoughts. What's up, Mike? Hey, I appreciate you guys taking my call, man. Uh, yeah, you know, the wideouts, a lot of times, uh, you counted, I think you mentioned two drop passes. I counted three. And, I mean, they were very egregious passes. I realized that the dude has an absolute rocket for an arm. But uh, at the same time, you got to be able to have hands to grab those balls. And there were a lot of times, I don't even think that the receivers were on the same page as him. No. And he certainly was missing guys coming out of their breaks. Um, where they were, where they had a wide open window. I think he was too busy trying to pretend like he's a New York street performer and just be a statue, literally a statue. Uh, you know, not as anybody out there throwing change in his hat out there because uh, he was doing a great job of that. But I did have a question for you, Buck, and maybe you guys can answer this for me in regards to uh, some of the game management. Uh, I noticed, like at the end of the third quarter. I realize they got a hurry up fast offense, but like when you got such a lead on the game, you're trying to manage the clock and that sort of thing. Why in the world would you run another run play when you could have let the last like 30, 35 seconds play out yeah. and go into the fourth quarter? I, I'm going to hang up and let you guys talk about that. Yeah, I appreciate the call, Mike. 615-737-1045. I mean, to his point, I, we, we were talking about two drops with Jalen Hyatt specifically, not that that being all of the drops on the hole last night because Hyatt wasn't the only one who – underwhelmed as far as I was concerned. And you look at their stats and you see, you know, 24 yards per catch for Cedric Tillman, 15.5 yards per catch for Jalen Hyatt. And you, it makes you feel a little better, but it shouldn't because you understand how much was left there on the field. Now at the end of the third quarter, you know, basically Mike, I don't know the answer to that question about their game management, but I would, if I had to guess 
and this is only speculation on my part, and, and I, I, may, I don't know whether this is the case or not, so don't take this as gospel. But I'm, I'm looking at that and saying, okay, this is an opportunity against, again, an inferior, an inferior opponent for you to run your offense, the scope of your offense, tempo, all of it, against an opponent that it's not necessarily going to burn you if you're trying some things, if you're pushing the envelope a little bit. I think that they're trying to, the, the coaching staff with an approach like that is trying to get a message across to the offense to say, hey, we're not letting off the gas just because we're up by, I mean, at that point in the third quarter, uh, it was, it was, uh, it was what, 28 to six at that point at the end of the third. So you look at that and say, okay, there is, there is opportunities. There are opportunities that we can kind of push things like we would in a, in a preseason game or a scrimmage or whatever you want to call it and execute our offense to the full extent without it really biting us in the butt. Yeah, run as many plays as you can in right. that game. You have you have nothing to lose by hurrying up and getting another play in before the third. Where I'm interested to see is there's going to be times in the SEC slate down the road this season where they're going to have to dial it back in a close game where you kind of need a long extended drive, take some time off the clock. That's where I'm interested to see when this staff does decide to dial that back because when you have the ball with three minutes left and you're up by three and you're driving and you want to give the ball back to, I don't know, Lane Kiffin's offense – are you going to go hurry up and six seconds between plays and snap it with 20-plus on the play clock? You would hope not. Yeah. So that'll be interesting. Only time management issue I would have had was wanted a timeout there at the end of the half to give Milton about two minutes to try to compile some kind of drive, but they let about 35 seconds tick off and ended up heaving a Hail Mary. Well, first, first opportunity for the coaching staff to go through this as well. I think yeah. that's what everybody – again, it's not perfect. It's not perfect. It's in, in fact, it's quite far from it. 615 615- Seven three seven one zero four five. Philip is in Nashville. He wants to talk about Joe Milton. What's up, Philip? Hey, Buck. Hey, what's up? Hey, listen. You know, um, I want Milton to be good. I really, really do. The guy has an incredible arm. Um, he probably throws a you know a four yard out harder than anyone I've ever seen. It's a rocket. But yeah, my problem though last night is. You know, it's how much has he even improved from when he was at Michigan to today? Because there was the one play, and I forget if it was at the end of the first quarter or uh, beginning of the second quarter. I kind of blacked out after it happened. But it's when he missed that tight end over the middle. The guy was, you know, six yards away, and he stood there like a statue and still missed the guy. And it reminded me a lot of that Indiana highlight where we show him just getting obliterated. Yeah. Um, it was very similar to that. And it's like, well, has, has the guy not really learned? Because we can work on timing with the receivers and things like that. I expect that to get better. But the standing in the pocket, I mean, of course, you know, everyone's commenting on that. But just the fact that he is standing there and still missing people that are five, six, eight yards away. I mean, Vern Troyer, I don't think, would have missed that guy. He doesn't, he doesn't lead his receivers. That's something that's clear and obvious to everybody, I think, who watched that last night. And thank you for the call, Philip. Uh, we'll, we'll react to that on the other side. Chauncey will leave, uh, lead us off. If you want to jump in, you're more than welcome to do so. 615-737-1045. Because I know Chauncey, Zach, Bill, John, everybody wants to weigh in on this particular game last night. And the quarterback is probably the hottest topic of conversation. So we'll continue this conversation. We'll talk about Joe Milton and and his issues coming up next. I'm Buck Rising. This is 104.5 The Zone. Oh. 
I think most people are still feeling good today, despite, you know, things like a flat-footed quarterback and inaccurate throws and drops, things of that nature. Buck Rising here with you until 1 o'clock, talking Vols and Bowling Green based off last night's 38-6 win. I, I, I was so impressed with the running backs, certainly, and we'll spend some more time on Tyon Evans and Jabari Small here in just a second, but we spent, we, we're focused right now on the, on the most important position on the football team and the most impactful position on the football team. That starts first and foremost with the quarterback. Now, you heard Josh Heupel's comments about Joe Milton yet in last night's post-game press conference, and he's basically expressing the same kind of concerns or criticisms as we all are today. The execution was underwhelming. The situation with the wide receivers and the drops and the inaccurate throws, uh, I think there is so much that ultimately comes back to the quarterback. And really, I think where you go from such a great start in the first quarter to falling, I mean, flat on your face in the second quarter. John Reed, you heard him in the first hour say it was literally the worst moment of Reed's life. It was the second quarter of an open, a season opener against Bowling Green, which I love, by the way. I love that he takes it that seriously. I mean, people did have to sit for about 20 minutes uh, with a 14, what was it, 14 to 6 scoreline. Just like, okay, very uncomfortable 20 minutes. I know. I was, I, I was, listen, I was, because I, I have my Vols meme that I use every time they lose, right? It's because uh, they they have names, right? The 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 heavier set couple uh, expressing concern. Um, I don't know what their names are. I specifically. Yeah, I can't remember. They've been you around know, a while. You know who I'm talking about? Just kind of with the yeah. big hair, staring down at the field, like what the <laughs> hell is this? I do that every after every time they lose, but they did not lose. So, I, but I was sitting there with my finger on the trigger. Six one five seven three seven one zero four five is the number. Chauncey has been waiting patiently to talk about this offense. He's in Nashville. What's up, Chauncey? Hey, how you guys doing today? Man, we're great. All right. I didn't watch last night's game with the intent to see what a one-year Joe Milson III or even Hendon Hooker could do for us. I watched it to see the growth of the offensive play. And what I want to say is, as a recruit, I can look at Josh Heupel's offense and say, hey, they're going to throw it around 60 times a game. They're going to run the ball 30 to 35 times a game. And some of those high recruits that have been feeling like Tennessee as a program have underutilized their skill sets recently. That's why we haven't had any depth. Yeah, you can find starters here and there, but you never have any twos or threes that are going to want to come here. They'll go to other programs where they can be utilized and maybe make it to the league. What do you think about that? Hey, no, Chauncey, I'm so glad you brought that point up because that's that's as much about what this year is, right? You're trying to put something on your resume. If you're Josh Heupel and his staff, you're, put, you're putting something on your resume because you understand, I think everybody understands, that they're not contending this year, right? Even, even, the, most, uh, even the most unrealistic of Vols fans. And there are some, like that dude who came, called into uh, J. Mark Ramon this morning to give his pregame rap, which infuriated me because, oh, my God, get that off the airwaves. I cannot stand it. So, of course, they're going to have him on every Friday. <laughs> but you're selling a product to recruits. Your, your, for, for all of the criticisms, and there are criticisms of Josh Heupel with the way that he kind of took over at UCF after Scott Frost. Now, Scott Frost appears to be a bit of a fraud at Nebraska, but we don't, we don't have time to get into all that. Recruiting, though, in the state of Florida is something that Josh Heupel was not adept at. So now, at a larger program, 
that exists in a fishbowl that has all the scrutiny in the world of any major college football program of Ohio State, of Michigan, of Alabama, of LSU, Tennessee, in terms of the optics and in terms of the eyeballs on you, you have that kind of audience with which to sell your product. So what Chauncey's saying there I think is spot on. What can you show these recruits who would be considering or are on, you know, just let's say, a, let's say a, I mean, I know this is on the defensive side of the ball, but let's say a Walter Nolan, right? How can you show a Walter Nolan who's sitting there in Knoxville as the number one overall recruit in next year's, uh, in next year's high school recruiting class and say, okay, these are the opportunities that we're presenting for you. You see how well our defensive line rotation works. You see how well, uh, remind me the name of the defensive line coach. Rodney Garner. Rodney Garner. You see how well Coach Gardner has done to work with Walter Nolan in trying to recruit him to the University of Tennessee so much so that the University of Tennessee is now in his top three. And I know we're talking about the offense, but I'm just saying I'm using him as an example because he's the most real one, the biggest big-time recruit that you are in the money for right now. On the offensive side of the football, you're looking at 23 attempts last night from Joe Milton in the passing game. 22 carries by Jabari Small, 16 carries by Tyon Evans. Uh, Joe Milton ran the ball 14 times. You had eight for Marcus Pierce and four from Jalen Wright. So you're looking at this as a running back recruit, and you're saying, okay, there is going to be opportunities for me to eat in this offense. And because of the way that the offense is structured, you know that the running game is going to be diverse, so you're going to be able to get these kind of opportunities that you're selling. I think that is what this year is about more than anything. Now, that's a long-term play, right? We don't have, as a, certainly in Sports Talk Radio, we don't have the, uh, the long-term view in mind. We're reacting to what we saw last night. But you have to consider that anytime you watch this offense trot out on the field or anytime you watch this team trot out onto the field, that it's not necessarily a, this season about the wins and losses. Yes, more wins than losses would be nice. But it's about can you put a marketable product out on the field so in future years you can bring in a higher quality of talent given that this team is so paper thin and the talent at the top end is not something that you're, you know, jumping and screaming about. 615-737-1045. Zach is in Nashville. He wants to weigh in this morning. What's up, Zach? Hey, how you doing, bud? I'm great, buddy. Hey, uh, I'm actually not a Tennessee fan. I feel like that game last night was like I wrapped this morning, boring and unproductive <laughs> for my day. Uh, but I'm actually an IU fan. I grew up in Indiana. Oh, um, I just have a quick question. Um, I don't want to talk about Tennessee because that they don't really have anything going for them this year. My my team and IU does, and I want to know what you thought about the think about the Indiana Iowa game going on tomorrow. And to let balls know you beat a junior varsity team, calm down and quit thinking you're all that. Thank you. <laughs> Lucas, how do you feel about that? I, I don't know how many ball fans you're going to find that are that are <laughs> j- screaming from the rooftops about beating Bowling Green. <laughs> I was about to say that it has not been praise that's pouring in this morning. Right, right. It has been a hefty amount of criticism. Listen, I am so excited. I mean, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about this because we are in Tennessee, Zach. So I'm going to talk about this through the prism of Tennessee. Yes, all that right? would be why we talk about Tennessee. Yes, that is why. But... For the, for the rest of the audience, who is not an Indiana fan like Zach appears to be, let's run this through Tennessee's prism, all right? How much better would Tennessee's offense look with a guy like Michael Penix Jr., who is quarterbacking my Indiana Hoosiers? And used to be committed to the University of Tennessee. There it is. Rack him. We're getting better. 
so from that standpoint, I think that Indiana has a real, I mean, they're in the top 25 for God's sakes, which is such a foreign concept to me for somebody who has never set foot in that stadium after four years of college there, whose, whose experience on Saturdays in the fall was to go tailgate the Indiana game and then go back to my apartment with all my buddies and watch the SEC games or the Notre Dame game, you know? So from that standpoint, I think Indiana has a real opportunity to beat Iowa this weekend. But I think it's because of the strength of the quarterback. And the strength of the quarterback, to bring it back into the prism of Tennessee, this man was once recruited, Michael Penix Jr., who had an unfortunate season-ending injury last year that saw IU's season kind of tail off. But you saw how much, how, how much he, as a quarterback and as a high-level quarterback, was able to elevate the rest of the team around him. Indiana's got a good football team. The defense, I think, is probably their pride and joy. But think about that quarterback operating, and you can't do the systems one-to-one because what Tom Allen does is very different from what Josh Heupel will do. 615-737-1045 if you want to jump in. I'm sure not many people are calling in to talk about IU football today. But still, run that through the prism of the University of Tennessee. Indiana is a top 25 team, not just because of Michael Penix Jr., but in, in due to a, in due, in big part due to the fact that Michael Penix Jr. is quarterbacking that team, and you will see him take a step forward. That is what you're looking for, that kind of growth and development with Josh Heupel at the position that he is supposed to be able to know the most about and to be able to bring the most out of. Right now you're working with Joe Milton, and Joe Milton is no Michael Penix Jr., 615-737-1045. Did that hurt you a little bit, Lucas? You seem like you you seem like you had a bad taste in your mouth after uh, after Zach called in. Uh, no, I'm good. All right, very good. Let's go to John. It's in Murfreesboro. He wants to talk about the balls. What's up, John? What's up? Uh, just like the last caller, I also am not a fan of the second best team in the state of Tennessee. Oh. Um, uh, yeah, they – they beat the worst team in, in Division One football. I mean, it is what it is. Um, they looked competent, I guess. You could say that. Um, in all seriousness. Now, wait, John, before you go I, on with your analysis, just wait wait, 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 uh, wait one second. Who who are you yeah. a fan of? Are you a fan of Vanderbilt or are you a fan of NTSU? What are we talking about here? Memphis. Oh, okay. My bad. You put you put Memphis in UT right now, and Memphis beats them by twenty one, seven out of seven days. I I don't disagree with that right now. Um, now in the past, Memphis gets waxed. I'm not even here to argue that. Uh, it's new day. Um, but the running game looks good. Their quarterback's got a cannon. If he wasn't trying to throw it in the river every every time he threw the ball, it, he might have actually done well last night. Um, but Josh Heupel is still Butch Jones 2.0 oh. and, uh, it's still in, in two or three years, they're still going to be the Vols and, uh, Buck, whenever you go to Murfreesboro tomorrow, make sure you go to Clearview for lunch and go get you a drink at clean gyms. Sold. And listen, I remember John, cause he did make the Butch Jones 2.0 yes, comment. I think he has tweeted that at us several times. So when Memphis, uh, so when Memphis dominates over Nickel state tomorrow, we'll hear, I'm sure a call on Monday, or I guess I'm off on Monday. Uh, you're hosting on Monday. Yeah, we'll be on 11 to 2 with Alex Apple. Okay, don't suck. Don't embarrass me. This is your chance. 
615-737-1045. The, the Butch Jones 2.0 thing, you know, we're going to need a little bit of a sample size. By the way, would vo- and, and I say this, I say this knowing what, what reaction it's going to evoke, but after the last couple of years, would you not take Butch Jones 2.0? Well, you would certainly take nine wins. That's what I'm saying. Right. Now, I would say Josh Heupel at least speaks like a normal human being, something Butch was never capable of at Tennessee. I, I tweeted last night, brick by brick, baby. And right. I had people got pissed at me. <laughs> 615-737-1045. Chuck is in West Nashville. He wants to talk about the Vols. What's up, Chuck? Yeah, uh, I would send a message to Josh Heupel that, We've been through four years of a quarterback that held the ball too long and got sacked and stripped and didn't have touch on the ball, overthrew two sideline passes into the end, way over people's head. And so Tennessee people are not going to be happy about that. And to the Indiana guy, I would remind him (laughs) that Tennessee beat him with a bad quarterback and a bad coach still beat them in a bowl game. It's true. And it hadn't been but just a couple of years ago. No. I got to say. Hey, Chuck Rackham, because you know what happened? I lost my hair because of that Indiana loss. Not that many. uh, I don't know how many. I'm sure most people remember that because uh, my predecessors in this time slot, we made a bet, David David Reed and I. David Reed, of course, a diehard Vols fan. I, of course, you know, a, a bandwagon Indiana fan when I found out that they were good at football because I had no idea we had a football program for four years while I was in Bloomington. But I will say to you that that if it was not, Chuck, let's not let's not do it by recency bias because the Vols did win that game. But Jared Garantano was not the reason that they won that game. And Jeremy Pruitt was not the reason that they won that game. Indiana lost that game because they weren't able to cover an onside kick and they blew, what was it, a 24-point lead? Or a 14-point lead? Yeah, rather. never got up to 24, but no, that was lead. special teams and Eric Gray. <laughs> I, I wanted to kill somebody because I had to shave my head because I lost that bet with Reed and I looked like a penis for the better part of three months. It was literally on Valentine's Day when we shaved my head and my girlfriend wanted to fight me. So, what What do we, what to kind of summarize, what we take away from last night. I'm looking at this and saying, okay, from from the offense, when they were able to come out of the gates hot in the fourth quarter, put up 14 points, or excuse me, in the first quarter, 14 points in the first quarter, running their scripted offense, because you know that the first seven to ten plays of a football game, whether you're talking about the college level or the pro level, I have you know precious little experience at the high school level. I imagine this this is done by most coaches at most levels of sport, or of football in particular. But your first seven to ten plays on offense probably going to be scripted. And then how the dynamic changed from when they went from scripted to unscripted, first quarter to second quarter, where you're amassing eight total yards of offense. And Joe Milton is completing it. Lucas, how many passes through the rest of the three quarters of that game? I believe two. It was unholy. And it was a while in the second half before he got his first completion. I mean, you're seeing when these drives are successful, the first two touchdown drives, a hair over two minutes. Right. They're not going to have five, six-minute drives. When those drives are successful the way that Josh Heupel wants them played out, they're going to be quick, snap of the finger. Problem is, so are the three and outs. So... Keep that in mind when you saw like how how different the offense looked from one quarter to the second. 
because that's where things started to fall apart. When Joe Milton and the coaching staff, the coaching staff is not blameless here, although I give I give them less blame than I do the players on the field, just because you could clearly see that the execution was lacking across the board. Except for the running back position, man. I'm going to give those two all the credit in the world. They were great on the ground last night. And, we'll and they talk- went right to them out of the gate after halftime. Right, and we'll talk about them coming up next in more detail. But I would say to you that uh, I would say to you that that is that is the thing that I want to see corrected against Pittsburgh first and foremost. Now they may correct it, and it may be to no avail because I do think that Pittsburgh is still in a better position than Tennessee is right now. But I think that that's probably my biggest criticism is how far the offense fell off a cliff from one quarter to the next because of how what happened after the plays were no longer being scripted. And the coaching staff and the players had to adjust in-game. In-game adjustments is something we hammered Jeremy Pruitt for because he was clearly incapable. I don't want to see that same track record repeated if I'm a Vols fan while watching Josh Heupel and his staff. We don't know that that's the case. I'm just saying those are the observations that I come away with. That's the that's my thesis statement based off last night's game. Well, going back to the run game, in and of itself was an adjustment last night. Oh, absolutely. It was the only way to get the offense back in rhythm. Absolutely. they knew they would dominate that, that part of the, of the field. To their credit, right? To their credit. So let's not, let's not completely diminish that. I'm talking about from the quarterback first and foremost. Yeah. Uh, so 615-737-1045 is the number. Nick will lead us off on the other side. Coming up next, we're going to focus on these two running backs specifically and Joe Milton's work in the ground game because that's pro- out of everything, that's probably the thing that you put most on a pedestal is the running game looked, ah, chef's kiss, super crisp. I'm Buck Rising. This is 104.5 The Zone. Bob Kessling on the call last night. So great to have. Bob sounded great last night, by the way. I had I had the television broadcast on. I had the radio broadcast on in my house, though. Like, I like to watch. And and by the way, Jordan Rogers and, and Tom Hart and Cole Kublik, they used to get hammered as a crew. I thought they did such a great job on that game. They do yes. do a good job. But how do you know? You said you had the radio broadcast. Well, because I was going back and forth. No, they did. What that, are you trying to do? I don't know. I'm just just trying to catch you. Okay. Uh, Jordan, uh, no, Jordan does a good job. He really does. Uh, and I really like Cole on the sidelines. He's really engaging. We should see if we can get those guys on the show. And Bob. I, uh, I enjoy all, all of the broadcasts that I heard last night because I did hear all of them despite Lucas being a jerk. 615-737-1045 is the number. I, could, I, was, getting, I was getting incredibly irritated, though, because, like, my sound I paid all this money. For a brand new, I got a, it's a, just obnoxious size TV. I got a 75 inch TV and I got a sound bar. And I don't know how to do any of these things myself. So I had somebody, I paid somebody to install all of these things so that I would never have to worry about it again. And of course, immediately on the first football game that I get to watch on my, na- my, uh, my new living room TV, the sound bar craps out. And I had to like go to the iPad and the laptop and streaming it all over the place. It drove me crazy. Anyway, what did not drive me crazy was the running game. The running game last night for the Tennessee Vols, 64 attempts, 326 yards on the ground, four touchdowns, two of them by the quarterback, one Jabari Small, and then one by Tyon Evans, as you just heard on the uh, on the broadcast, on the call by Bob Kessling last night. I love, by the way, Vols fans, because Lonzo Wright has written in the chat on YouTube 
Does anybody know what Josh Heupel's buyout amount is? Lonzo is the Mississippi State fan. Oh, okay. But still. (laughs) Football is back, baby. We're already having people Google. You know, this is like when Tom Crean was the head coach of Indiana basketball and it would become a thing every year. He was my Butch Jones, for all of you who need something to relate that to. Uh, Tom Crean, who's now the head coach at Georgia, was my Butch Jones, and every year we would have a conversation of what what Tom what is Tom Crean's buyout.com, where they just had a tracker, uh, and it would go down each and every day, each and every year, and you would just watch it religiously to see how long until you could get rid of him. And then, you know, they ended up being terrible since then. So it's, it's exactly like Butch Jones for all the Vols fans. 615-737-1045. What most impressed you? about last night game last night's game what do you think needs to be uh corrected immediately before this team plays Pittsburgh because Pittsburgh is going to be a much stiffer challenge for all parties involved certainly up front let's go to Nick in Lebanon who wants to weigh in what's up what's going on Nick yeah. Nick you're hey, on man. the air you got me okay all right what I see first off Bob Kessling is like music to my ear huh. he, he was born to do what he does uh, secondly, I'm not a fan of the third best team in Tennessee, which is ridiculous because even if JG came back, we would beat Memphis five out of seven times. I mean, that was just preposterous here in that conference. But uh, last night uh, was, I agree with you, but it wasn't, it, it, it was not good enough. It wasn't good enough. Uh, 32 points, it, it doesn't matter how many points you have. Uh, there was a lot of things, like Michael said, we need to get quick. Uh, it, 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 the run game is, was really well, but the, the, the secondary did not play well. No. Especially, you know, in the second quarter, you know, but that was like a blue quarter. But um, I think that we definitely need to get Milton uh, some more rest. Um, but I think the best quarterback uh, on the roster is, is, is Bailey. But he's getting... I think it's just a waste of talent. But, again, you do got to put a quarterback in there that fits your team. But, um, I, I think we've really got to throw the ball well. And it's not just Milton. I think our wide receivers didn't get off the ball well. I don't think they got away from the defense real well. Um, but that communication just got to get better. We've got to throw the ball. And I hear a lot of people saying, oh, we've got an arm. Milton's got an arm. He, he can throw, you know, whatever it is. But what's the point of having an arm if you can't get it there? No, I'm I'm with you, Nick. Thank you for the call. 615-737-1045. His phone line wasn't great. But he said, you know, he, he thought that Harrison Bailey needs to be in there. And again, Harrison Bailey is the last quarterback that they are going to put in there based on what their rotation looked like last night. By the way, Heupel making the rounds. He made a stop at Knox Catholic High School, too. I told you he was at Carnes this morning during the break, and I just saw another tweet that he stopped by Knox Catholic about an hour ago. <laughs> yeah, I... The, the job of college football coach sounds like a living hell, Brutal. honestly. It's, it's, yeah, Recruiting it's, sounds like it's the worst. Now, I read a really good, and I, I'd like to get the writer of this article on, um, I read a really incredible article about Mike Vrabel last night that was written uh, by Dan, Pom- Dan Pompeo, Pompeo, the athletic. That's right. Yeah, Rhett Bryan came in and no, told not me. Not Pompeo, that's a different person. Who am I? Dan, Dan what? Pompeo. Pompeo, okay, that's right. Red Bryan came in and sat me down almost like, you need to read this article. It was great. It was great. But it talked about how much, when Vrabel was at Ohio State, how much he relished recruiting, which made him completely different from every other coach. 
that does this for a living at the college level. So I, I do not envy him in that regard, but it was a really, really good article. Anyway, uh, so good to, I mean, listen, good to see if you're a Vols fan that he's already out there trying to get, because he understands the talent disparity as well. He saw exactly what you guys saw last night. And the only difference is his job depends on it improving. So the idea that he's out there the next day. Now, again, Joe Milton needs time to grow. Joe Milton needs time to develop. But, Lucas, if I was to ask you, and and 615-737-1045 is the number, 615-737-1045, if I was to ask the audience who they thought was the higher-rated quarterback last night. Now, quarterback rating is something that's uh, a bit of a, I don't know, it's like a unicorn stat, right? Like, I don't know necessarily how they come to the equation that they do, and based on my understanding of trying to dissect quarterback rating, a lot of it doesn't necessarily make sense, but it's still a metric that we use to judge the quarterback. Between Matt McDonald and Joe Milton, who do you believe was the higher-rated quarterback last night? Uh, Hendon Hooker for completing his one pass. That's right. (laughs) Hendon Hooker with an 86.0 QBR. Second... Matt McDonald. Uh, yeah, I would say McDonald. He was just on paper, he was more efficient. 46.5. Joe Milton, out of the three quarterbacks who played the snap last night, was the lowest rated quarterback, 31.4. Now, again, QBR does not account for what Joe Milton necessarily did on the ground, and that was where he did the majority of his damage, not necessarily from a yardage standpoint, but he was effective that way. Three-point yards per carry is not great, but still. It, he's clearly a red zone threat and an asset for them. But of the three quarterbacks who played a snap, Joe Milton was the lowest-rated quarterback. Well, on that second touchdown with Milton, kind of an option where he pulls it and runs around the left edge to get inside the pylon, that's not a touchdown in the SEC. You know. You're not able to run around no, that No, SEC speed end. does not let Joe Milton lumber into the end zone yeah, or the way even that he did on that speed next week. Yeah, you're going to find that out very, very quickly. So I am, I am willing to get – because, again – you want to you have a little bit of grace for the situation, right? But not, not a ton. You understand that this, is, this thing goes only as far as Joe Milton or whomever ends up quarterbacking this team for the bulk of the season. This goes only as far as they go. You know that more, better than probably any other fan base in the country because you saw how much you were inhibited by bad quarterbacking. And by, by the way, a lack of quarterback development from the staff who was supposed to fix JG. Who, who does who does Washington State play this weekend? By the way, do we know? I have no idea. I'm kind of I'm kind of curious to watch what he watch what he looks like. Is that does that make me a bit of a a, a sycophant that I'm I'm curious? I I'm so happy to be done with the JG experience. But they now play I'm seeking Utah it out. State tomorrow, 10 p.m. Spicy. But I, I don't I don't even know if he's the starter there. He's probably not. Six one five seven three seven one zero four five. When we come back, we'll continue the reaction. We'll also talk about two Titans transactions that were made yesterday that will have a big impact on this offense. Coach Mack will join us at 1220 as well. Stick around. A lot more Vols talk, your reaction, and Mack talk on the other side. I'm Buck.